0: Damn. Yeah, Don? I think I've been catapulted into the fourth dimension.
1: No, I think you've just had too much coffee.
0: Where'd you hear that? I, I heard, heard it, it through, through the, the grapevine. grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina.
1: You're going to have to do that one again, because all I heard was Fat Albert
0: going, Hey, 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 (laughs) it's a (laughs) grapevine I'm saying it stands. Hey,
1: everybody, I'm Sam, an alcoholic from Palm Springs, California. (laughs) (laughs) Sam! (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving! (laughs) Woo, thanks, Don. I'm so grateful for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm grateful for you. But the holidays are here, you know? They are ominous music. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking that maybe we ought to take a look at some tips on how to stay sober. So I did a little search in AA literature for sober holidays from 1989 which originally came from Box 459. Oh, okay. Let's see what we got. I'll read one. You read one. Okay. Oh, you're giving away the magic, Don. People don't (laughs) think we read from scripts. We'll see if these still hold up from 1989. All right. Line up AA activities. Help on the phone. Speak. Empty the ashtrays. (laughs) Wait a minute.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Be host to friends, especially newcomers at home or at a coffee shop.
0: Well, sure, we got lots of coffee shops. Keep your AA telephone list with you at all times. I think that one, you don't necessarily have a list, but you got a phone full of numbers. You need to call the numbers. That's a smart thing to do. And, you know, I mean, we still do
1: pass around meeting schedules to get phone numbers, so that that does still happen. Find out about holiday meetings or celebrations in your local groups.
0: Yeah, that happens. Sure. Volunteer and help out at one of the community things that are happening at your local AA meetings. Mm -hmm. Skip any drinking occasions you're nervous about. That's a hard one because I felt like I couldn't skip them because it was too important that I be there.
1: You know, I get that. And that's that thing of taking somebody with you if you can, but also, and that can be weird in family situations, but the, that's where those super important things show up of being willing to leave as soon as you need to. You can um, and leave. that can be without even saying goodbye, make sure you park your car so that you can get
0: out, things like that. hmm So often the things that I felt like I absolutely had to be there, I really didn't have to be there. Yeah. And maybe in a couple of years when I'm sober and have a little recovery under my belt, I can go to functions that I couldn't go to the first year. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Let's see if there's one you can't skip, take, oh, ah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> if there's one you can't <laughs> skip, take an AA friend or keep candy handy. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's truth to it. I candy mean, works. Yeah. Don't think you have to stay late. Plan an important date in advance.
1: (laughs) You know that I've got a thing at six o'clock. I got to leave. Yes. Go to church, any church, and don't forget about extra meetings. Or don't go to church. (laughs)
0: When's the last time you went to church, Sam?
1: Um, I was <laughs> in a church not too long ago. <laughs> Did the church have an AA meeting? Yeah, exactly. There was an <laughs> AA meeting okay. going on there. Yeah. But you know, that go to uh, the local food kitchen and help serve. That's something my grandmother and I used to do.
0: Yes. Or if you are church goer, go to a church meeting. There's holidays. You can go to church. And if you do, I mean, what is the point of it is to redirect my thinking from myself and out towards others
1: yeah exactly
0: don't project about holiday temptations remember one day at a time stay in today yeah yeah that's kind of true for every day <laughs> you know what thanksgiving
1: is just another day <laughs> it's a thursday <laughs> carry the message give the joy away and it will be yours to keep Aw, that's
0: it makes me feel all warm I've got a little joy. Let's give (laughs) some away with our guest. Who's our guest today? Today's guest is Claudette Kay. All right.
1: Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org. Or buy the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org.
2: Hello, fellas. My name is Claudette. I'm an alcoholic. I live in Tacoma, Washington.
1: Claudette, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see you.
0: Welcome, Claudette. So is this the point where we act like we've never met Claudette? (laughs) Because we know Claudette well. (laughs) Claudette used to be in my home group. And mine. Yeah.
2: For that, I got sober in Syracuse, New York in 1985. Moved down to North Carolina in 99. And then moved out here to Tacoma in 2015. I've been around a little. You've been. uh,
0: been, Well, (laughs) I think you're a veteran. You've got lots of experience. What's your experience with surrender, giving up drinking, and going to AA? Why would you do such a thing?
2: I actually came to AA through the back door of Al-Anon. And through Al-Anon, I learned more about alcoholism and was encouraged to go to an AA speaker meeting and I where I heard a woman stand up there and talk about what normal drinkers do and what normal drinkers do not do. And to my surprise, I fell on that side of what normal drinkers do not do.
0: <laughs>
2: I was the drinker who had to plan. I was the drinker who had the blackouts. Yeah, it was mostly that idea of planning and and watching everybody else and not being able to take my focus away from the drink. From that meeting, I thought, hmm, maybe I have a problem. So a few months later, I decided, no, I'm just not going to drink anymore. Over the next month, I had like the worst month of my life of just, I wasn't a daily drinker, but when I decided to stop drinking, that obsession to drink was in my brain all the time. It was there when I was working, It was there when I was not working. And I was getting so, so riled up about it. Mm. It It's terrible.
0: Mm. What's the difference between not drinking? If you're going to be thinking about drinking all the time, that's alcoholism.
2: Well, that's what I, after a month or so, I said to myself and a guy I was going with at the time who had come to AA, I said, I think I need to go to a meeting. And he said, "Mm, really?
0: (laughs) He had an idea that you needed to go to a meeting?
2: I think he had an idea, yeah. (laughs) We had been drinking, drugging buddies, you know, for a long time. So anyway, I decided to go to a meeting and I drove myself there and just, I got there, got to the parking lot and got stuck in my car. I just couldn't get out. I was just crying in my car. I don't want to be an alcoholic. to myself. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be an alcoholic. I don't want to. And it took me a long time to get out of the car because I just didn't want to be an alcoholic. Walked into the meeting and didn't say anything to anybody and sat down next to between these two older gentlemen, probably younger than I am now, (laughs) sat down next to these guys. And one guy, he leans over to me and says, "Uh, are you new here? I said, yes. He said, it's okay. Just sit down. You'll be okay. And at the time there was a newcomer in the meeting. The meeting was directed to you as a newcomer. Mm -hmm. You know, they started the meeting. Is there anybody new? I'm like, Oh, I am. (laughs) They really talked about the first step, about the first three steps, but mostly about the first step. Um, At the end of the meeting, several of the women came over to me and said, thank you. So glad you're here. And, you know, gave me phone numbers and please call. And, And I left the meeting and still in my car thinking, I don't want to be an alcoholic. But, you know, I heard something there. When I went home, this is, you know, was really big for me. I'm not a person to really reach out and ask for help. That's been one of my issues my entire life, continues to be an issue. But I had this phone number of this woman and I called her when I got home and we talked. But she said, you know what, go back to, go to a meeting tomorrow. Don't drink, go to a meeting tomorrow. And I heard that and I did it and I just kept hearing that. And I don't know what it, when I stopped crying and whining about not wanting to be an alcoholic, but... I didn't drink after that.
0: Mm. So it worked just going and surrendering worked.
2: It worked for me to not drink. It didn't fix my life right away.
0: How quickly did you start doing the steps?
2: Yeah. I don't know. probably went to meetings three or four nights a week. I was a single mom at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, every time to go out to a meeting, I had to have a babysitter and all that kind of stuff. I don't know, three, four five meetings a week. And went to different meetings, but saw a lot of the same people. After a little while, I asked a woman to be my sponsor. And she said, yes, (laughs) she gave me the rules for being the sponsor.
0: Being accountable.
2: Being accountable. And she said, you know, here's my phone number. You can call me anytime you need to, except don't call me after 11 o'clock at night and call if you need anything. And, you know, we didn't sit down and go through the book the way things are done now, I guess.
0: In our area, people tend to sit down with their sponsor and read the book together, but everywhere, that's not the customary way to do it. And it sounds like that wasn't the way that you got sober.
2: No, it wasn't. She told me to read the book. If I had any questions, I could ask her, but we did a lot of meetings after the meeting hanging out together and learning to socialize without being drunk. And, you know, that's sort of how I learned how to live a sober life.
1: That is a hugely important part of my recovery was the meetings after the meetings, the fellowship outside of the meeting, because that's where I got to know other alcoholics. Mm -hmm. That's where I could have a conversation. You can't really have a conversation in a meeting.
2: Right. And then also I was a young woman when I came into this program and I didn't know how to do anything socially without drinking. Mm-hmm. And so to learn how to do those things, I mean, just well, instead of going out to the bar, we went to TJ's Big Boy and ate Sundays and burgers and stuff. And just, yeah. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. That was great. Let's go.
2: Um, but we also went to dances. They had a lot of dances at the time, and that mm-hmm. those first dances. Not drinking was was okay. weird. Ooh, I <laughs> bet. But bet. Turned out to be a lot of fun.
0: Be careful, you might have fun. <laughs> <You> might <laughs> That's have right. Fun. You <laughs> so you've been sober a long time. I have. What's your recovery like today? What do you do to stay sober today?
2: Well, you know, I don't drink today. That's a key portion. <laughs> That's a key portion. That's still, a key. although, you know, honestly, alcohol was not a huge issue for me today. Mm-hmm. I continue cool. to go to meetings. I really try to talk to new people that come to the meetings. I went through a period here when I first moved here where I felt like I didn't have a lot to offer to new people because I don't know. Like I said, I've been sober a long time. My experience getting sober seems so different than what I see people coming in today. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go way down to the bottom of the ladder like so many people that I see today come in. And so I got to a point where I felt like, geez, I'm not sure I have anything to offer these new people. But an episode happened about a year and a half ago where I had um, an opportunity to talk to somebody very close to me who had an issue with alcohol. And it all came flooding back to me that, you know, I don't have to have been way rock bottom, lose my job, lose everything to remember what it was like to be a drunk, not be able to stop drinking and how I did it and what it was like and and that moving along. So,
0: yeah.
1: One of the things I love about all these conversations we get to have with folks is that the way that they got sober, the way that I got sober, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous
0: Mm -hmm. still works. Yeah. They're like the tips from 1989.
2: I had to smile about those tips from 1989 because, you know, I had that list of people, that written down list. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same thing we tell people today. Go if you're comfortable. Don't go if you're not comfortable. Have a plan. Yeah. Go and have, a, have an escape plan. Don't be the first one parking in. Park on the street.
0: Yeah. Can you go to a holiday work party today and be comfortable?
2: Well, that's a funny question because any holiday work party wouldn't have drinking in it in my current job. So. But, okay. but I can I go to a party where there's drinking? I can today until people start getting drunk, and then I just don't have any fun. Me too. I'm not comfortable around people that are drunk, not because I want to get drunk, but because I don't They're like obnoxious. <laughs> obnoxious, yes. And then it brings me back to oh, I that was me. I don't want to be there again.
1: I did have a question for you though. To <laughs> go back to where Don asked you what made you make such a choice as to come to AA. And then you moved. What made you make such a choice as to go to AA in North Carolina? And then you moved again. And-
2: so I got sober 85. We moved from Syracuse to North Carolina in 99. Okay. So pretty solid time recovery there. Moving to North Carolina. We thought we were going to retire in the South. Moving to North Carolina, getting into AA was challenging.
0: What was the challenge?
2: Well, because, you know, in North Carolina you just weren't doing it right.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: you know, just what everywhere you go, it's different. Wait a minute. I've got a signature thing on there. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong.
2: I went to graduate school. When I went to graduate school, I, I didn't go to meetings for a long time. I don't recommend that for anybody. My outside life continued to be very good. My inside life deteriorated. Hmm.
0: That's the I no longer have a drinking problem. I have a thinking problem.
2: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. At work, and here's you know some of the beauty of the program. A new person came to work, and I noticed she had a little a necklace with a little emblem. I said, "Geez, are you a friend of Bill's?" And she said, "Yes." Sir. <laughs> and turns out she's a, a woman who had been in and out of the program for a long time, had trouble staying sober over a period of time, and we became fast friends. And and she said, "Why don't you come back to meetings?" And I did, and you know, and started my. Another journey in AA in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that entry actually led me to the way out, which was a fabulous home group. You know, it's I was Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in that study of the big book, you know, that mm-hmm. study, that meticulous, sometimes, oh, too meticulous study, sentence by sentence. But it was quite an education. It was an education I needed at the time to get back into this program. I also had to work on finding a higher power at the time, too. That was part of my fall away from the program, was also a fall away from the God of my understanding is my youth. So
0: was, Was that the first time that you had to find a higher power?
2: When I came into the program, I was a practicing member of my faith, my youth but had a falling out with that God and had to find something else.
0: So what does that mean for someone who doesn't might think what you're talking about here? Yeah,
2: I had to I had to find a higher power of my own. You know, the the God that I grew up with, I was a raised Catholic and all of that that goes with that God just wasn't working for me. And I had to step back and look back into the program where it says you're open to find a higher power of your own choice. Mm-hmm. which is much easier said than done. And even today, I I can't tell you what it is, yeah. but I have a higher power of my own choosing. And it's working out so far.
1: And I love being at that place where I don't have to define it now.
2: Yeah, I don't have to. Yeah. And so we had been having a nice life in North Carolina and then um, our daughter decided to move to the West Coast and which that was okay, but then she had to have a baby. And then that was <laughs> grandma.
0: And that's why you moved to Tacoma
2: yeah pulled me right to Tacoma and you know what out here on the west coast they don't do AA right either <laughs> You're doing it right now. Wrong. <laughs> I kid of course of course strong AA out here
0: you took me to a few meetings there when I was yes. visiting enjoyed it thoroughly
2: yeah there's a lot of meetings around here. A, there's a, a big mix. There's a lot of long-term sobriety here in this in this area. There's a lot, lots, lots of newcomers. There's lots of people that come in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. You know, it's taken a while to get my foothold here, but um, I might go to a couple of meetings here a week. You know, getting to know some people and
0: still going to meetings.
2: Still going to meetings. Yeah,
0: it's a good practice.
2: <laughs> this one meeting we go to on a Friday night here. I've come to find some. Very different people than I had met previously before COVID in the program. So that was, you know, pretty typical of AA in a a city. Yeah,
1: And it's a great way to become a part of the community. My experience here in Palm Springs, having moved here two years ago from North Carolina, is that jumping into the the pack here, getting connected helps me
0: instantly become a part of the community here. Yeah. Yeah. Claudette, I wonder if you'll stay with us and answer a question that a listener has written in with. Sure. You know, I went up and visited the AA Grapevine office in New York City recently. It was a real thrill to see the AA archives that are stored in that building. And one of them was a display case that has an old basket in it, a fishing basket. And it's the Ask It Basket, which was originally used at early conventions to get questions from the audience. In the past, we have done Ask the Old Timer. And what we want to do is change the name of this segment to the Ask It Basket. (laughs) Broaden it a little bit rather than just ask a question to an old timer. Yeah, Krusty got tired. Yeah, here's the info card that was displayed with the actual original basket in the display case.
1: The story of how the Asket Basket sessions at the conference evolved was printed in the February March 1998 issue of Box 459. Once upon a time, when AA was still in its teens, the Second General Service Conference was preparing for a question and answer session. Hank G., then general manager, sent Dennis Manders, GSO's non alcoholic bookkeeper, out to find a suggestion box with a slit in the top for questions. Dennis searched through stationery stores to no avail. Passing the window of that old distinguished emporium, Abercrombie and Fitch, he spied a wicker basket with a slit in the top, a fishing creel. It was a very pricey item, and we didn't have a lot of money in those days, Dennis remembers. However, he bought the Creel and rushed it back to the conference, where co-founder Bill W. dubbed it the Ask it Basket. In time, the Ask it Basket sessions at the conference were discontinued, and the Creel was retired to the archives.
0: It's time for the Ask it Basket! What's that? The name Bill W. gave the basket that was passed around for questions. We want your questions for our guests. General recovery questions, newcomer questions,
1: AA history. Basically, it's our own AA AMA. AA Ask Me Anything. Got a question for the Ask It Basket? Call in and record it at 212-870-3418 Or email it to podcast at aagrapevine.org. You can find these and more at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. And now
0: let's dip into the basket.
1: We have an email submission from Steve. He writes, I am Steve L. from Manchester, PA. My sobriety date is August 12, 1978. At 44 years sober, I have been called an old timer. Being 72 years of age also helps with the label. Over my sober time, I have selected sponsors that have more sober time than I and seem to have an understanding of the type person I am. That combination seems to be getting tougher to find. Perhaps I'm looking for a sober Yoda. (laughs) My question is, how does an old timer select a sponsor? You guys are doing a great job and have lots of fans here in my area. Keep up the good work and God bless. Steve, thanks so much for the question. So Claudette, mm. Don, what do you think? How does an old timer select a sponsor?
2: This is, um, this is quite a question for me. I, I, um, I don't currently have a sponsor since I moved to Washington. This is something that's come to mind frequently. Previously, how did I look for a sponsor? You know, when I was brand new, I found somebody who I wanted to be like in AA. That's how I found my new sponsor. And she was my sponsor until I moved to North Carolina. And North Carolina went a long time without a sponsor. And then I did kind of like Steve. You know, I was looking for somebody who had time like I did. And and I found a sponsor and she was wonderful. But then she died. (laughs) She was older, she died. The last sponsor I had was someone who I had a lot of respect for in AA. This is what I was looking for. I wanted somebody whose program I could see in action and also someone who I felt would treat me like a grown-up, and not treat me like some new kid being a sponsor. So we had a wonderful relationship. We met frequently. We, she really helped me solidify my footing in, in the program. Been moving here to Tacoma. I've just not been able to reach out to someone who I, I feel like I want to ask to be my sponsor. So I think I have the same question that Steve does. What am I looking for?
0: What is the wall to asking someone?
2: I think part of the wall is, is trying to figure out how to have a sponsor relationship and not have a friend relationship because it gets so blurry at this point. In this stage of my you know recovery from alcoholism, it's not like I need help not drinking. I know about the steps. The steps are in my life and you know just, mm. and I guess I'm not sure what I need to learn from a sponsor at this time. So what do you need to learn from a sponsor, Don?
0: Okay, well, I have a lot of thoughts about this. When I first got sober, as you said, I needed somebody who knew how to live sober, who had what I wanted, as the saying goes, in NAA, mm-hmm. and I want to be like that person. My criteria when I first got sober was to look for someone who worked the steps, had a sponsor, went to meetings that I went to, and was not angry, because (laughs) I figure if they are projecting anger, then they haven't been through the steps, Mm -hmm. or they're not working the steps in some way. The longer I've gotten sober, though, now I know how the steps work and all of that, but I look at my sponsor as someone who can look at my life in a dispassionate way. They're not tied up in it emotionally, because no matter how long I've been sober, I can still get bent out of shape and go down the wrong path mentally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a sponsor picks me up and goes, you know, I think you're you're holding on to something here. You need to look at this or, you know, you're angry about something here. You need to look at yours. You can't seem to let go of this. What's that about? So a sponsor can see me very clearly. And I can't see myself clearly because my thinking is clouded by my emotions. So that's why I still use a sponsor all the time Mm
2: -hmm. to Mm -hmm. just
0: talk about what's going on in my life. And occasionally there'll be that flag. And I go, what about, what about this? You said, you know, that doesn't sound right to me, Don. And I appreciate that. And I'm giving them permission to do that. And I mm-hmm. think that's the difference mm-hmm. between a sponsor and a friend. Now, my sponsor now has more sobriety than me by two years, but I don't think that's what's important. What's important is that we have agreed he has permission to call me on my BS. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He has permission Mm -hmm. to tell me what is really happening. I think that's the difference between a friend and a sponsor. He is a good friend Mm -hmm. and that's fine. But the difference between a friend and a sponsor, a friend you want to support no matter what. And a sponsor, you want to see clearly what I'm doing and point it out, not necessarily to support me in everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's a kind of a different role. I had a sponsee that had more sobriety than me. He had this exact problem. And man, I was honored to be asked to be a sponsor. If the time comes, and I hope that it doesn't, then I need to get another sponsor. It's going to be harder and harder to find someone who has more sobriety than me. But I I think I will go ahead and do it. And for me, what the wall is... Because I had the same thing when I asked him to be my sponsor, when I had to change sponsors about seven years ago, was, I don't want someone telling me what to do. <laughs> 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 this is like, oh, no, I think he might make me read something I don't want to read, or he might have challenge me to do something I don't want. I don't want somebody... And I just had to go through that. It was exactly the same as when I first asked. I don't think it's one bit easier doing mm-hmm. it later than it was the first time. It was exactly like same feeling as like asking a girl on a date when mm-hmm. I was in high school. It's like, oh, she, I'm, or maybe I'll get rejected. That'll be horrible. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to walk through the, that fear and do it anyway. Yeah. First of all, you know, I'm like, I will, I've
1: not been in that position yet to have more time than the people around me. I'm at 10 years, I'm 18 years away from my last drink, but 10 years sober. So in 2012, when I reset my sobriety date uh, in the fall of 2012, I went to a conference in Atlanta and I heard this most amazing speaker. And at that time in 2012, she had 42 years sober and she described she didn't have a sponsor now. She had a secret keeper. She had this friend that she talked with. They talked, I think every day. That was that person who Don, as you were mentioning, had permission to call her on things, call her out mm-hmm. on stuff, but she called her, her secret keeper. They call each other. They were their, their secret keepers. I thought that that was just like a wonderful thing because it describes what you're talking about, Claudette, of mm-hmm. like, I'm not new, but I still am an alcoholic and left to my own devices, am going to probably screw up living life. Um, so, and you're talking so, talking about a thinking problem. Uh, yeah, the thinking problem. But the other thing that comes to mind for me on this is a practice that I have had, and that is I don't choose my sponsor anymore that wonderful advice of look for someone who has what you want. I do that. And then I go up to one of them and I ask them, who do you think would be a good sponsor for me? And I take my picker out of it completely.
2: <laughs> I like that. that has
1: worked really well for me.
2: Wow. That's interesting, Sam.
0: Trust God. <laughs> yeah, that's really letting go. Folks, we'd love to hear your thoughts or experience on how old timers select sponsors. Call 212 870 3418. 212 870 3418 or email podcast at aagrapevine.org.
1: Claudette, thank you so much for joining us. It's so wonderful to sit down
0: with you again.
2: It's been a pleasure to see you both.
0: Thank you, Claudette. The Grapevine is looking for your story submissions for Why I Love the 12 and 12. Stories are due by December 15th, 2022. Our 12 Steps
1: and 12 Traditions book turns 70 next year. Tell us the ways this book has enriched your sobriety. Is there a story about using the book that you'd like to tell? How does your group use it? What are your favorite passages and why? Share your story by December 15th, 2022 via aagrapevine.org share.
2: noticed that when I quit drinking, my husband started collecting expensive whiskey, which I found rather annoying. So I asked him, why did you wait till I quit drinking to start a whiskey collection? And he said,
0: Babe, I've been trying to keep this collection for years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit AA.org.